the birth of bran by james stevens recorded for love stories volume three by michelle fry baton ridge louisiana in june two thousand twenty this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the birth of bran by james stevens chapter one there are people who do not like dogs a bit they are usually women but in this story there is a man who did not like dogs in fact he hated them when he saw one he used to go black in the face and he threw rocks at it until it got out of sight but the power that protects all creatures had put a squint in this man's eye so that he always threw crooked this gentleman's name was fergus fion Leith, and his stronghold was near the harbour of galway whenever a dog barked he would leap out of his seat and he would throw everything that he owned out of the window in the direction of the bark he gave prizes to servants who disliked dogs and when he heard that a man had drowned a litter of pups he used to visit that person and try to marry his daughter now thune the son of well was the reverse of fergus fionleth in this matter for he delighted in dogs and he knew everything about them from the setting of the first little white tooth to the rocking of the last long yellow one he knew the affections and antipathies which are proper in a dog the degree of obedience to which dogs may be trained without losing their honourable qualities are becoming servile and suspicious he knew the hopes that animate them the apprehensions which tingle in their blood and all that is to be demanded from or forgiven in a paw an ear a nose an eye or a tooth and he understood these things because he loved dogs for it is by love alone that we understand anything among the three hundred dogs which fune owned there were two to whom he gave an especial tenderness and who were his daily and nightly companions these two were bran and skolan but if a person were to guess for twenty years he could not find out why fune loved these two dogs and why he would never be separated from them fune's mother Mjern, went to wide allen of leinster to visit her son and she brought her young sister turin with her the mother and aunt of the great captain were well treated among the fianna first because they were family to fune and second because they were beautiful and noble women no words can describe how delightful murin was she took the branch and as to turin a man could not look at her without becoming angry or dejected her face was fresh as a spring morning her voice more cheerful than the cuckoo calling from the branch that is highest in the hedge and her form swayed like a reed and flowed like a river so that each person thought she would surely flow to him men who had wives of their own grew moody and downcast because they could not hope to marry her 
while the bachelors of Vienna stared at each other with truculent bloodshot eyes, and then they gazed on Jurine so gently that she may have imagined she was being beamed on by the mild eyes of the dawn. It was to an Ulster gentleman, Eilin Echtach, that she gave her love, and this chief stated his rights and qualities, and asked for her in marriage. Now, Thune did not dislike the man of Ulster, but either he did not know them well, or else he knew them too well, for he made a curious stipulation before consenting to the marriage. He bound Iolan to return the lady if there should be occasion to think her unhappy, and Iolan agreed to do so. The sureties to this bargain were Calte Macaronen, Gol Macamarna, and Lugaith. Lugaith himself gave the bride away, but it was not a pleasant ceremony for him, because he also was in love with the lady, and he would have preferred keeping her to giving her away. When she had gone, he made a poem about her, beginning, There is no more light in the sky. And hundreds of sad people learned the poem by heart chapter two when iolan and Terene were married they went to ulster and they lived together very happily but the law of life is change nothing continues in the same way for any length of time happiness must become unhappiness and will be succeeded again by the joy it has displaced the past also must be reckoned with. It is seldom as far behind us as we could wish. It is more often in front, blocking the way. And the future trips over it just when we think that the road is clear and joy our own. Ireland had a past. He was not ashamed of it. He merely thought it was finished. Although in truth it was only beginning. For it is that perpetual beginning of the past that we call the future before he joined the fiana he had been in love with a lady of the she named oak delve fairbreast and they had been sweethearts for years how often he had visited his sweetheart in fairy with what eagerness and anticipation he had gone there the lover's whistle that he used to give was known to every person in that she he had been discussed by more than one of the delicate sweet ladies of fairy. That is your whistle, fair breast, her sister of the she would say. And Uchtdelv would reply, Yes, that is my mortal, my lover, my pulse, and my one treasure. She laid her spinning aside, or her embroidery, if she was at that, or if she were baking a cake of fine wheaten bread mixed with honey, she would leave the cake to bake itself and fly to Iolen. Then they went hand in hand in the country that smells of apple blossom and honey, looking on heavy bowed trees and on dancing and beaming clouds. Or they stood dreaming together, locked in a clasping of arms and eyes, gazing up and down on each other, Ireland staring down into sweet grey wells that peeped and flickered under thin brows, and Delve looking up into great black ones that went dreamy and went hot in endless alternation. 
in ireland would go back to the world of men and Dell would return to her occupations in the land of the ever young what did he say his sister of the she would ask he said i was the berry of the mountain the star of knowledge and the blossom of the raspberry they always say the same thing her sister pouted but they look other things delve insisted they feel other things she murmured and an endless conversation recommenced then for some time Ireland did not come to fairy and oct delve marvelled at that while her sister made an hundred surmises each one worse than the last he is not dead or he would be here she said he has forgotten you my darling news was brought to tir na nong of the marriage of Iolin and turin and when oct delve heard that news her heart ceased to beat for a moment and she closed her eyes now said her sister of the she that is how long the love of a mortal lasts she added in the voice of sad triumph which is proper to sisters but on Dell there came a rage of jealousy and despair such as no person in the she had ever heard of and from that moment she became capable of every ill deed for there are two things not easily controlled and they are hunger and jealousy she determined that the woman who had supplanted her in ireland's affections should rue the day she did it she pondered and brooded revenge in her heart sitting in thoughtful solitude and bitter recollectedness until at last she had a plan she understood the arts of magic and shape changing so she changed her shape into that of foon's female runner the best-known woman in ireland then she set out from fairy and appeared in the world she travelled in the direction of ireland's stronghold ireland knew the appearance of foon's messenger but he was surprised to see her she saluted him health and long life my master health and good days he replied what brings you here dear heart i come from foon and your message the royal captain intends to visit you he shall be welcome said Ireland. we shall give him an ulster feast the world knows what that is said the messenger courteously and now she continued i have messages for your queen Turin then walked from the house with the messenger but when they had gone a short distance Oakdell drew a hazel rod from beneath her cloak and struck it on the queen's shoulder and on the instant Turin's figure trembled and quivered and it began to whirl inwards and downwards and she changed into the appearance of a hound it was sad to see the beautiful slender dog standing shivering and astonished and sad to see the lovely eyes that looked out pitifully in terror and amazement but oct delve did not feel sad she clasped a chain about the hound's neck and they set off westward towards the house of fergus fionlaith 
who was reputed to be the unfriendliest man in the world to a dog it was because of his reputation that Oakdell was bringing the hound to him she did not want a good home for this dog she wanted the worst home that could be found in the world and she thought that fergus would revenge for her the rage and jealousy which she felt towards Turin. chapter three as they paced along old delve railed bitterly against the hound and shook and jerked her chain many a sharp cry the hound gave in that journey many a mild lament ah supplanter ah taker of another girl's sweetheart said old delve fiercely how would your lover take it if he could see you now how would he look if he saw your pointy ears your long thin snout your shivering skinny legs and your long gray tail would he not love you now bad girl have you heard of fergus finolaith she said again the man who does not like dogs turin had indeed heard of him it is to fergus i shall bring you cried Dell. he will throw stones at you you have never had a stone thrown at you ah bad girl you do not know how a stone sounds as it nips the ear with the whirling buzz nor how jagged and heavy it feels as it thumps against a skinny leg robber mortal bad girl you have never been whipped but you will be whipped now you shall hear the song of a lash as it curls forward and bites inward and drags backward you shall dig up old bones stealthily at night and choose them against famine you shall whine and squeal at the moon and shiver in the cold and you will never take another girl's sweetheart again and it was in those terms and in that tone that she spoke to turin as they journeyed forward so that the hound trembled and shrank and whined pitifully and in despair they came to Fergus Fionnleith's stronghold, and Uchtdell demanded admittance. Leave that dog outside, said the servant. I will not do so, said the pretended messenger. You can come in without the dog, or you can stay out with the dog, said the surly guardian. By my hand, cried Uchtdell, I will come in with this dog, or your master shall answer for it to Foon. At the name of Foon, the servant almost fell out of his standing. He flew to acquaint his master, and Fergus himself came to the great door of the stronghold. By my faith, he cried in amazement, it is a dog. A dog it is, growled the glum servant. Go you away, said Fergus to Delve, and when you have killed the dog, come back to me and I will give you a present life and health my good master from foon the son of whale the son of biscayne said she to fergus life and health back to foon he replied come into the house and give your message but leave the dog outside for i don't like dogs the dog comes in the messenger replied how is that cried fergus angrily foon sends you this hound to take care of until he comes for her said the messenger 
i wonder at that fergus growled for foon knows well that there is not a man in the world has less of a liking for dogs than i have however that may be master i have given foon's message and here at my heel is the dog do you take her or refuse her if i could refuse anything to foon it would be a dog said fergus but i cannot refuse anything to foon so give me the hound Oaked delve put the chain in his hand ah bad dog said she and then she went away well satisfied with her revenge and returned to her own people in the she chapter four on the following day fergus called his servant has that dog stopped shivering yet he asked it has not sir said the servant bring the beast here said the master for whoever else is dissatisfied foon must be satisfied the dog was brought and he examined it with a jaundiced and bitter eye it has the shivers indeed he said the shivers it has said the servant how do you cure the shivers his master demanded for he thought that if the animal's legs dropped off foon would not be satisfied there is a way said the servant doubtfully if there is a way tell it to me cried the master angrily if you were to take the beast up in your arms and hug it and kiss it the shivers would stop said the man do you mean the master thundered and he stretched his hand for a club i've heard that said the servant humbly take that dog up fergus commanded and hug it and kiss it and if i find a single shiver left in the beast i'll break your head the man bent to the hound but it snapped a piece out of his hand and nearly bit his nose off as well that dog doesn't like me said the man nor do i roared fergus get out of my sight the man went away and fergus was left alone with the hound but the poor creature was so terrified that he began to tremble ten times worse than before. "'Its legs will drop off,' said Fergus. "'Foon will blame me,' he cried in despair. He walked to the hound. "'If you snap at my nose, or if you put as much as the start of a tooth into the beginning of a finger,' he growled. He picked up the dog, but it did not snap. It only trembled. He held it gingerly for a few moments. If it has to be hugged, he said, I'll hug it. I'll do more than that for Foon. He tucked and tightened the animal into his breast and marched moodily up and down the room. The dog's nose lay along his breast under his chin, and as he gave it dutiful hugs, one hug to every five paces, the dog put out its tongue and licked him timidly under the chin stop roared fergus stop that forever and he grew very red in the face and stared truculently down along his nose a soft brown eye looked up at him and the shy tongue touched again on his chin if it has to be kissed said fergus gloomily i'll kiss it i'll do more than that for foon he groaned 
he bent his head shut his eyes and brought the dog's jaw against his lips and at that the dog gave little wriggles in his arms and little barks and little licks so that he could scarcely hold her <laughs> he put the hound down at last there's not a single shiver left in her he said and that was true everywhere he walked the dog followed him giving little prances and little pats against him and keeping her eyes fixed on his with such eagerness and intelligence that he marveled that dog likes me he murmured in amazement by my hand he cried the next day i like that dog the day after he was calling her my one treasure my little branch and within a week he could not bear her to be out of his sight for an instant he was tormented by the idea that some evil person might throw a stone at the hound so he assembled his servants and retainers and addressed them he told them that the hound was the queen of creatures the pulse of his heart and the apple of his eye and he warned them that the person who as much as looked sideways on her or knocked one shiver out of her would answer for the deed with pains and indignities he recited a list of calamities which would befall such a miscreant and these woes began with flaying and ended with dismemberment and had inside bits of such complicated and ingenious torment that the blood of the men who heard it ran chill in their veins and the women of the household fainted where they stood chapter five in course of time the news came to foon that his mother's sister was not living with Iolen. He at once sent a messenger calling for fulfillment of the pledge that had been given to Fianna and demanding the instant return of Turin. Iolen was in a sad condition when this demand was made. He guessed that Ucht Delve had a hand in the disappearance of his queen, and he begged that time should be given him in which to find the lost girl he promised if he could not discover her within a certain period that he would deliver his body into foon's hands and would abide by whatever judgment foon might pronounce the great captain agreed to that tell the wife loser that i will have the girl or i will have his head said foon Iolin set out then for fairy he knew the way, and in no great time he came to the hill where Uchtdelve was. It was hard to get Uchtdelve to meet him, but at last she consented, and they met under the apple boughs of fairy. Well, said Uchtdelve, ah, breaker of vows and traitor to love, said she. Hail and a blessing, said Eileen humbly. By my hand, she cried, i will give you no blessing for it was no blessing you left with me when we parted i am in danger said Eileen. what is that to me she replied fiercely foon may claim my head he murmured let him claim what he can take said she no said Eileen proudly he will claim what i can give tell me your tale she said coldly Iolin told his story then, and concluded, I am certain that you have hidden the girl. 
if i save your head from foon the woman of she replied then your head will belong to me that is true said ireland and if your head is mine the body that goes under it is mine do you agree to that i do said ireland give me your pledge said Delve, that if i save you from this danger you will keep me as your sweetheart until the end of life and time i give that pledge said ireland Delve went then to the house of fergus fionlaith and she broke the enchantment that was on the hound so that Tyrene's own shape came back to her but in the matter of two small whelps to which the hound had given birth the enchantment could not be broken so they had to remain as they were these two whelps were bran and skulan they were sent to foon and he loved them forever after for they were loyal and affectionate as only dogs can be and they were as intelligent as human beings besides that they were foon's own cousins Turin was then asked in marriage by lugod who had loved her so long he had to prove to her that he was not any other woman's sweetheart and when he proved that they were married and they lived happily ever after which is the proper way to live he wrote a poem beginning lovely the day dear is the eye of the dawn and a thousand merry people learned it after him but as to fergus fionlaith he took to his bed and he stayed there for a year and a day suffering from blighted affection and he would have died in the bed only that foon sent him a special pup and in a week that young hound became the star of fortune and the very pulse of his heart so that he got well again and he also lived happily ever after end of the birth of bran an irish fairy tale by james stevens